Hey listeners, this is Justin from Quick Notes for Reader Folks, where we do quick reviews of sci-fi and fantasy books. There's plenty of great podcasts that do really, really great in-depth reviews of sci-fi and fantasy books, and this is not that kind of podcast. This is the kind of podcast where I give a very quick summary of a book and then tell you my thoughts about it, and then I give it a score out of 5, maybe out of 10, who knows, just depends on what I feel like on the day of. The wheel of time turns, and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become legend, then fade to myth, and are long forgot when that age comes again. In one age, called the third age by some, an age yet to come, an age long past, a wind rose in the mountains of doom. The wind was not the beginning. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the turning of the wheel of time, but it was a beginning. So that's the opening paragraph of The Great Hunt by Robert Jordan. It's book two of The Wheel of Time, and if you've recently listened to episode one of this series of podcasts, it's a the first paragraph is very, very similar to the first paragraph of the first book, and I like that. There's just a few, few things that are a little bit different, so you know that it's a new book, but it's it shows a lot of continuity with the older book, which it's nice to see. You don't see that a lot in a series of books. So I had a few listeners ask for a little bit more in-depth on my summary of the books, but I don't really want to do that because I feel like that kind of falls outside of the quick notes part of For Reader Folks. So um, what I'm going to do for for this episode and going forward, I'm going to do a a little bit more of an in-depth summary of the previous book and then go into my quick review of the current book. So for trilogies, I'll probably end up doing four episodes apiece. In this series of 14 books, I'll probably end up being 15 episodes with the 15th episode just being a finalized summary and probably an overall review of the whole series. So back to the beginning of The Eye of the World. Huge spoiler alerts for book one of the series from here until about 11, 11 and a half minutes in. You had the band of people fleeing the two rivers. You had the three main characters, Matt, Perrin, and Rand. You had Moraine. You had Lan, or Moraine, the Aesidae. You had Land, her warder. You had Egwene, who was one of the village girls. And you had Nynaev, which is a really hard name to keep track of, um, who's the village wisdom catching up to them and then the adventure continues in uh, a town that they then have to flee from because of dark friends. And dark friends are normal people that worship the dark lord of the book, um, or the dark one, not the dark lord. That's a different series of books. Oh, and I almost forgot about Tom Marilyn, the Gleeman, who uh, a Gleeman is like a traveling... Well, they do a combination of things. They're like a traveling actor, a story orator. Um, Tom is very quick with his hands and is an excellent juggler. So he's also a member of the party that I'd forgotten about. So they flee to a town called Shadar Logoth, which is completely abandoned because it has succumbed to a different type of evil than the one that the Dark One um, permeates. Even Trollocs and Myrtle um, are afraid of this town because there's this 
crazy mist-like creature that can dissolve you upon a touch. And while they're trying to flee from this town, they get separated by the mist. So then you that was where you get your your where the different perspectives really start because you get um, three main groups of travelers. You get Matt, Tom, and Rand. Then you get Perrin and Egwene, and then you have. Lan, Moraine, and Nynaeve, and they're all um, trying to get to Camelin because that's where they were headed to on their way to Tarvalon, which is the city with the White Tower. And of course, I'm referring to the White Tower of Aes Sedai, which is where they were headed this whole time. So on the way to Camelin, um, Rand, Matt, and Tom stop in a town. I don't quite remember the name of and Tom sacrifices himself to save Matt and Rand so they can run away um, and they make their way to Camelin just being assaulted by dark friends the the whole way there but they do eventually make it and uh, that's kind of where they stay and hang out for a while and then it kind of cuts to to Perrin and Egwene's adventure so Perrin and Egwene are trying to walk to Camelin but they don't actually know where it is and they can't remember where it would be on a map and they're not quite sure where they are so they just pick a direction and start walking and they run into um, just a random dude named Elias in the middle of the woods who's just surrounded by elves, or not elves, wolves and he can talk to the wolves and they're like hey hey Perrin, Perrin you can talk to wolves too and Perrin's like nuh-uh and uh, it turns out that he can. He can talk. He can. It's not really talking. It's like communicating with images, scents, um, sounds, things like that. Mental images. Um, yeah. So they, Elias, uh, is bringing them to Camelin, and they start getting chased by ravens, which we found out earlier in the book can be um, harbingers of the Dark One. So they're just. These ravens are destroying all the creatures they see, like deer and rabbits and other birds. Like, it's it's crazy stuff. So they're fleeing, hiding in hills and trees and just doing their best to avoid them. And they finally make it to a steading, which is where Ogier live, used to live. And it's like a place of peace. So they um, they avoid them. Oh, wait, no, I forgot. They, um, they stop and hang out with tinkers for a couple of days in the or not tinkers that's also a different book the let me look this up real quick google is your friend everyone the traveling people also known as the tuathan who are um peace-loving people they do not cause harm even at the cost of their own lives. They won't hit people, they won't speak badly about people. It's, um, Perrin finds it incredibly ridiculous because he's beginning to see all the, the evil that's possible in this world. Um, and so does Elias, but Egwin thinks it's really great that there's a, a group of people that can act and behave this way. Um, but eventually they have to leave and that's when all the, um, the ravens start chasing him and they head to the setting. But when they get to the setting, they're confronted by uh, children of light, and the children of light are like um, zealots, religious, like the religious zealots, 
Um, it's very similar to like the religious zealots during the Spanish Inquisition. They also have their own Inquisition force that you find out about uh, a little bit later. They call them questioners, or they refer to them as questioners behind their back. They call them. They actually call themselves the Inquisition. It's kind of funny. Um, but yeah, uh, that was when it cuts to Lan, Moraine, and Nynaeve who are on their own adventure, and it turns out Moraine can sense the other three um, boys because she gave them coins that she had linked to herself. And so they go and they chase down Perrin and Egwene, who end up being captured by the Children of Light, and they're um, holding um, Perrin because he ended up killing one of the Children of Light in, while trying to protect one of the wolves who were trying to protect them. So they catch up to the Children of Light, and they free Perrin and Egwene, and they make their way to Camelin. And in Camelin, they are reunited with Rand and Matt, who have been hanging out at an inn that has an ogier named Loyal. Um, an ogier is, like I said, the ones who uh, live in the steadings, and they're similar to Trollocs in size, but they are highly intelligent and mild-mannered group of people species of people uh, it's i don't really know the proper way to say that but while matt and rand were waiting for the rest of the party to show up in camelin uh rand meets the queen and the heirs of camelin by accidentally falling over a wall which is it's one of the funnier parts of the book. I'll, I'll give you that because he's so out of his element and he just has no idea what to do. So after they all get back together in Camelin, they figure out that there is a more immediate threat in the eye of the world. That's the name of the first book. So Loyal, um, as an ogier, can travel what's known as the Ways. It's like, a, it's like an alternate reality type place where you can travel these paths that really shorten the length of time it takes to get from one place to another. So they travel the ways, they um, go to the Blight, which is where the Eye of the World is located. Um, they go to the Eye of the World and they cleanse it, and um, at the bottom they find the, uh, the uh, they find a horn and one of the discs that's the a seal on the dark one's um, prison and at this time two of the forsaken which are like the dark one's chosen um a sedai uh start fighting them and this is where we really come to the realization that rand can channel and that's more or less how the first book ends and like i said like that whole like meeting up in camelin to the end was the last fifth so if you listen to the first podcast and i said the last fifth is where it really picks up that's that's where it, that was all that happened so that's the really in-depth summary of the eye of the world and up next we will do our quick notes on the great hunt which is book two as i mentioned earlier Alright, the quick summary of The Great Hunt. They are hunting stuff. <laughs> They're specifically the three boys and some of the Sheeranins from the, um, 
the edge of the blight are hunting two specific things. They're hunting the dagger that belonged to Matt, and they are hunting the uh, they're hunting the the horn of Valir, which spoiler alert the two things get stolen. <laughs> so while the three of them plus Loyal and the Sheernans are on the hunt for these things, uh, the two girls Egwin and Nynaeve. So hard to say. Um, are on their way to the to Tarvalon to train to be a Sedai. And is uh, kind of seems to be a running theme. The groups get separated, and that's when the break in perspectives in the book occur. So there's the perspective from Perrin's point of view. You get one from Rand's point of view, and you get one. Well, like a combination of them from Egwin and Nynaeve um, as they are in the tower. Yeah, it's really, really hard to talk really any much more about this book and without giving away a lot of spoilers. So I guess it's on to the review and the rating. I actually enjoyed this book a lot more than I did the first book. I felt like the, the pacing was a lot better. The plot overall was a lot better. And the characters themselves um were just a lot more interesting and the actions and reactions they had during the book were um not more relatable but like i said more interesting than they were in the first book they kind of come a little bit more into their own as characters which you like to see as a series progresses the characters start to grow and um, you get to see more and more of their personalities and how they interact with each other. So a much much shorter um, summary and review than last time because, like I said, it's it it's much harder to talk about this book in particular be, without just a lot of spoilers. Um, so I'm gonna do my rating out of ten this time because it's my ratings and I can do them how I want. Uh, eight and a half out of ten. I just, I really enjoyed this book, and uh, if you read the first one, I think you'll really enjoy the second one as well. I do have an Instagram and a Twitter, both uh, at Quick Notes for Reader Folks for the Instagram and Quick Notes for Reader Folks for Twitter. Um, hit me up, let me know what you think of the podcast, what you think of the books, uh, anything I can do to improve, I'd really appreciate it.